When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Before we do get started this week, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by our partners over at FansBet. Remember, FansBet are committed to sharing 50% of their net profit with fans around the country, helping out with fan initiatives and causes. To see more from them, do head over to the website, fansbet.com, or over to their Twitter page, which is at FansBet. Here's your podcast. Here's your weekly show on Radio City Talk. The Blue Room is back, and we are here to talk about an Everton win. The Toffees got the first win in what felt like a long, long, long time against West Ham United on Saturday. Conor O'Neill and Paddy Boyland are here to chat all about it. Um, we'll be talking about the Brighton game as well. Focus on the players who might be in, might be out in the starting eleven going into that match. Well, first of all, Everton won. Paddy, set your weekend up well. It did. Yeah, it did. It was. It was really nice to see not only an Everton win, but also a really good overall team performance I thought I, I kind of came away from the game with a bit of renewed optimism that's dangerous with Everton we know <laughs> but I think it was nice to see that over the international break things have been worked on on the training pitch the manager put an awful lot into kind of evaluating what's gone wrong both for the team and through his own decision making and there was kind of almost an acceptance maybe that he needed to kind of do certain things and kind of rip a few things up and, and try new things in order to kind of get Everton back on track. And it was there for all to see, five changes, some of them obviously enforced, but loads of other changes and tweaks within the system and um, and kind of new things that we've maybe not seen so much of. So I came away from the game thinking, yeah, Everton won, deserved to probably win by more than two. Mm. Um, in my estimation, that it could have been five or six quite easily and... I don't think West Ham could have had too many groans and gripes with that. Um, but it's just so nice to see an Everton side playing with kind of a bit of vibrancy, getting on the front foot, playing the ball forward quickly. And then that kind of movement up front, a bit more fluid than we've we've seen yeah. of late. There was an awful lot to be positive about. And yes, it's only one game, but it was a definite step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I agree with 100% with Paddy there. I think, you know, I, I was someone who was, who was quite critical of Marco Silva, especially after the Burnley game. But, you know, credit where it's due. We were not short of superb on Saturday from start to finish. It was the type of performance we needed, and we one of the fans have long craved. Mm. Um, and I think in the the, full, the front four, certainly the energy and the, the intensity in which they played, and I think Silva stumbled across his new first choice for moving forward. Certainly, head, looking ahead to this mm. weekend, I think you've got to look at it though one step at a time because that type of performance now has got to become the norm not the exception when it really, really matters most. Mm. If we played like that every week, no one would ever have a negative word to say. Even if the results didn't go our way and we played like that, people probably still, most Evertonians still clap the team off the pitch. So while there's a lot to be buoyed by and you know, a lot to kind of 
leave a spring in your step as you left Goodison Park on Saturday. You know that the hard work starts now because we've got to back it up now. There's no, there's no point doing the hard work against West Ham. Coming away from with a two 0 win, a comfortable two 0 win, which you know should have been if we don't five 0 don't get anyone to complain. Yeah. And then going to Brighton this weekend, and all of a sudden get back into the old habits and seeing the old Everton of what you know we've seen for large parts this season. That that simply can't happen, and we've we've got to build on this now and, and really kick on. You, you both mentioned the performance there, and I think that was the thing that surprised me most. And I'll come back to you first on, on, on this one, Connor, because you know when we were doing these shows over the international break and we were looking ahead to this game and how important it was. One of the things that was sort of assumed by everybody who came on the show, and myself included, was that Everton aren't going to play well against West Ham. It's going to be a battle, going to have to mm-hmm. dig in. It might be one of those where, you know, you have to live a bit dangerously late on, but we need to get something out of the game in terms of getting a win. And I think to see the starting eleven change so much and to see the team link up so well, like you said there in that front four, the midfield obviously worked really well. Fullback and, you know, and winger, you know, on both sides really yeah. linked, up, linked up together brilliantly. I was I was really surprised by that, and, and while it, it wasn't perfect, obviously there's a few times where he was a bit scratchy with his you know his final ball. Theo Walcott typically made bad decisions as well. Richarlison at times, it, it looked as though that had been worked on over the course of the international break, and, and that, that's encouraging for you know for people who wonder what Silver does and you know the the old adage is what do these lads do on the training mm-hmm. pitch? It looked like they had actually been doing things on the training pitch going into this game. Yeah, which is massive for, for Marco Silver personally because he's he's had a lot of criticism from. A training ground point of view in terms of people questioning, you know, you look at the set pieces, patterns of play, etc. But for for what we produced on Saturday, it was good to see that they've clearly been working on things and there's there was things coming to fruition, which we haven't seen for a long time. I think the build up to, to the West Ham game in terms of you know, the performance and stuff, I think we just hit a, a desperate time where it was almost like we didn't really care how we performed. We just had to win. We had to get, you know, we had to, we couldn't afford another defeat. And I think. That kind of almost sort of led us to the, the desperation point of, well, I don't care if we, we play badly and we, we struggle to put four passes together. Mm. If we nick a one win, a one nil win, then I'll be made up. I think the fact that not only did we win, but we were so dominant in the way we played just added to how good of a day it kind of was in terms of what we produced. And I, I think there was a bit of desperation there before the game because obviously, I think a lot of people were of the belief, and I, I was certainly one of them that a defeat for Silver could be could almost be the end because yeah. you know it would be five on the bounce in the Premier League he kind of thinking well there's no return now you know there's, there's going to be no return for him so to avoid that kind of that kind of going down that path almost yeah. of you know sacking another manager everyone was just hoping that we would get a win because it was it, it avoids that kind of the frantic chaos that we saw in previous seasons where you sack a manager mid-season if you, especially if you've got no one lined up what, what it can bring so I think there was just more of a desperation there to get three points more than anything just to get back to winning ways and the fact that we got back on winning ways playing the way we did was superb and like I say, you know, we've got to build on this now and really kick on because we've seen this division so far this year, it's up for grabs. Yeah. You know, no one apart from the, the top two, no one is setting the world you no know, the world alight. You look at Arsenal Monday night getting beat by Sheffield United, you know, there's, there's no one really there who you're hanging your hat on. And if we can put a run together, we'll, we'll, we'll climb the table in, in no time. So we've got to build on this now and really kick on. I think the, the most important thing was obviously the result. I don't think it would have mattered too much how Everton had played if if they come away with three points and a victory against West Ham. That was the kind of be and end all here, given hmm. the pressure that has been heaped on Marco Silva. I think we do need to start seeing tangible progression and movement up the table. So to get the win, yeah, a huge tick in his box there. But then to do it in style and the way they did and to play with an energy and a vibrancy, as I mentioned earlier, that I don't think we've seen from them at times this season was something to really take away from this. I think the challenge, as Connor said, is, is twofold. Firstly, they need to pick up these things that they've used here and run with them. And there needs to be a consistency in selection now, given the lads who impress so much an opportunity. But I think as well as that, we also need to see that some of these things, some of these principles that were applied against the West Ham side that didn't really look to sit in are applied against some of the weaker sides that will put 10 men behind the ball at Goodison. So, for example, this kind of dual playmaker thing that we've been told about at The Athletic, the idea of having Bernard and Awobi as two and Bernard coming inside, Awobi shifting the ball quickly, that kind of stuff could also work, I think, against sides that are stubborn and, and resistant to what Everton are looking to do and deprive the space. 
I like the way Walcott made those kind of out-to-in runs. Richarlison added a different dimension up front that we've not really seen. And all these things added together, I think, will give Everton a better opportunity if they implement them in games against those sides. The one thing as well, of course, is none of that would have been possible without a much-improved um, defensive midfield duo mm. in, in Gomez and Davis, who were thought... Uh, in particular, Davis in the first half, there was such clever and efficient distribution through the lines. And none of it was particularly fancy. Most of it was one touch. And he just got his head up and picked the pass into a Wobi who'd made that space. And then from there, Everton were away. I, I thought they did that um, really quite excellently, those two in, in the midfield area. Um, and for, for my money, the best all-round performance from a midfield we've seen so far this season. The, there have obviously been real issues replacing Idrissa Gay. Um, and I think, to some extent, they may well remain. Certainly, you look at December and having to go away from home against really tough sides and, and, and hopefully grind out wins, points and, and, and draws as well. You need somebody like Gay in there in those kind of scenarios. But I think the flip side of that is, against 10, 12 teams in this league, at home you can probably get away with Davis and... And somebody like Gomez in there looking to get on the ball, distribute, and, and effectively from the front swamp the opposition. And that, that's what Everton did at times. I think, I think they kind of saturated and stifled, stymied. And at times West Ham got out of it, but I don't think they did much. Mm. Um, and that, that, that's a huge kind of bonus here. It was kind of it felt like everybody was pushing in the right direction. The, the whole collective was behind the manager, the fans were behind the players, and, and therefore the manager by proxy. And when Everton. I like that, particularly at Goodison. They are so difficult to beat. I think that's what we need to get back to. And with with that in mind, I think Saturday really was a step in the right direction. Now, as Connor has said, it's about building. It's about making sure that they, they do that against other sides at Goodison. And it's about finding a way of doing it away from home on the road against Brighton. Because let, let's not forget, there was a time when our home form was really good and we were poor away from home. Mm. Of late, we've been poor yeah. in both aspects. So... Wins, wins at home, coupled with draws and wins away from home here or there, will very swiftly see Everton get up that table. And there's no reason, as, as Connor said again, that Everton can't be this season um, up and around there because there's not actually that much of a difference in terms of points between Everton already, where they are in 14th, and, and sides in kind of 4th, 5th and 6th. There's an opportunity, not many top-class sides here. And I still think if Everton get it right and get it right now, um, there can still be a relatively good season. Yeah, um, Paddy's mentioned the player there, Connor. I think because there's so many other things happening in the game, we're also excited about the front four. We're also excited about Tom Davis. The, his role's probably been a little bit overlooked in all this, and that, that was Andre Gomez, who I believe got the, the broadcasters' man of the match. Sport, um, match yeah. yeah, obviously being in the ground and didn't quite manage to see that. But um, I think he's the type of player that is, is transformative to us now, and especially when you look at those options we've got in midfield, and we've got you know Davis and. Um, Delphi very much in the box-to-box sort of mode. You've got Schneidman and Gabamani who are more probably sitting and, and distributing sort of players. He just adds something completely different to us in that area of the pitch. And I think when you look at those four lads ahead of him, you look at Tom Davis next to him, even even the centre-backs who know they can look up and, and see Andre Gomez, they know if he's in you know, two, three yards of space, they can just pop into his feet, he'll keep the ball, hold someone off and, and give it in go. And it, it, when you're in that side and you've got him next to you or you've got him behind, you're in the front of you, it must be such a relief and such such a re- relaxing for you to know that you can just pop the ball to him and everything's going to be okay. Well, yeah, I think the, the, the stats are quite telling, aren't they? I think as yeah. he played five league games this year, we won three, drew, drew one and lost one. Okay, yeah. I think, for me, that was the first time this, sat, this season on, on Saturday that we've seen him 100% fit and 100% kind of ready, raring to go. I think he's obviously had his injury problems, his, his fitness hasn't you know been what he probably desired like a lot of our midfielders if we're being honest but I thought he, he looked 100% fit he looked 100% on it and he was he was, out, he was, out, he was outstanding probably the be- was the best player on the pitch he, he uses class you know, we know we uses class from last season when he come in and you, you think back to them games where you know, the Crystal Palace won at home Manchester United away where he was the best player on the pitch in, in both of them games he, he just sort of strolled through without breaking sweat but yet doing everything right and, and doing everything in a in an effective manner and there's no doubting he's going to be key to Everton's success. You know that's why the club went and got him. You know that's why you know 25 million or 22 million or whatever whatever the, the final figure may be is still a steal because he will he will be the focal point to a lot of what is good about Everton this season. The the task 
similar to like you know what we've seen with Fabian Delph and others, is keeping on the pitch and getting them to play a consistent run of games mm. and keeping them fit, because there's no doubt in his ability and you can just see that the belief and the confidence of people around him notched up a level and he will no doubt he, he in my opinion will be crucial to everything Everton going forward and he'll be behind a lot of what's good I think for me at the weekend Paddy as well he he sort of sees the role of being a bit of a leader in there as well because if, if you look at our 11 we failed it I don't think we had a, a player in the starting 11 over the age of, of 28 in that, in that game at the weekend. You know, Sadibi comes in for, for Seamus Coleman, Gilvy Sigurdsson's on the bench. So you're looking at Andre Gomez there, and while he's 25, 26 years old, he is one of the most senior players on that football pitch. And, you know, he, he leads in the way he keeps the ball and the way he's physical in midfield and that kind of thing as well. But I think, you know, speaking to Matt Sheaton for our stats pack show on, on Blue Room Extra on Monday, he said he recovered the ball 15 times in that match as well. Mm. And I think that, that, that was sort of an area of his game where you know you want to see him do more. But it felt as though by being one of the senior players on the side of the weekend, he sort of thought, you know, the onus is going to be on me here to, to, to put in that defensive shift as well, especially when you're next to someone like Tom Davis who's been out the side for so long. Yeah, I, I guess the other way to look at this is that I thought Tom Davis showed a lot of maturity in his own performance too. Um, everything that we've seen put out by the club since Saturday has shown kind of Tom Davis taking a central role in the in the tunnel. We know he played a role in the dressing room before the game. He's kind of hyping up the players. And Davis, for example, is somebody who's captain England age groups all the way through now, from I think it's 16s to 21s. Mm-hmm. Silver's handed him the armband as well. At times when he hasn't always been assured of a place in the starting lineup. So that tells you that they at least see him as a potential leader moving forward. Gomez exhibited exactly the same thing. And I, I think you said 15... Um, ball recoveries for Gomez it was 13 for Davis we saw a midfield that wasn't just adept at playing the ball forward but was also winning it well and yes I think West Ham did pick up pockets of space occasionally Lanzini drifted in in behind both of them and yes maybe occasionally Everton might need say a Fabian Delph in there as well or a Bamian when he's finally fit (laughs) to kind of shore that area of the pitch up but I thought the two of them like I said earlier the two of them for me contributed to the best mid- all-round midfield performance we've seen from Everton so far this season. Um, I agree with Connor. actually. I-, I think Gomez potentially is the key player in midfield for Everton from the point of view of taking the ball off the defenders and moving it forward quickly. What we see when Everton are at their worst, they become far too easy to defend against. Mm. And often the ball goes into midfield. Schneidlin and, um, and Delph and a few others have kind of shuffled the ball from side to side and then there's been so much onus on Luca Dean and Seamus Coleman yep. to provide that thrust going forward. Here we didn't really need much of that, although the fullbacks did okay. I thought Sadibi was very good, by the way. Here it was kind of... There was a bit more threat through the middle and I think that was because Gomez particularly, but also Davis as well. And Awobi, to be the, fair. And Awobi as well, but Awobi's playing slightly further forward. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is those two guys kind of went and dropped in, took the ball off those midfielders and made sure that they kind of quickly turned the ball round the corner into Awobi so that he had space. Um, and I think when you're kind of navigating the opposition press, when teams come to Goodison like West Ham and show a bit more ambition, that's when you see Gomez in particular being able to just thread the ball through and then we've got more space further up the pitch. It just seemed like the links between defence and midfield, midfield and attack, were much smoother for the presence of Gomez and Davis in the defence midfield, and then Awobi mm. in attack and midfield, and then the attack kind of has the, the platform to thrive. Um, much, much better, and much better to watch. Kind of, mm. a, I've watched the highlights so many times back <laughs> now, all with a grin on my face. And, especially um, that Sigurdsson goal. Especially, especially the Sigurdsson goal, but I love the Bernard one as well. Mm. Um, and even stuff like the, the Awobi chance, which he should have scored. I think I think the the field walkout shots as well. You know, if he scores that, probably goal of the goal of the season. <laughs> for, for example, I just love the fact that Everton had a right back who progressed up the pitch with the ball, and instead of looking to go outside, saw Awobi making a run off the centre back and just threaded this lovely ball through. I mean, we haven't seen that much of that kind of thing recently. And again, we speak about new dimensions. I thought Sadibi showed that extra kind of physicality, that extra speed and attacking prowess in those areas and looks a little bit calmer on the ball when he gets into the final third than Seamus Coleman. So all you can say is Davis and Sadibi and, and a few of those other guys have given Silver at the very least a real selection headache. I'm I'm of the view that it's a merit, meritocracy that they keep their places. Mm. That that If I was selecting the side, I think that's how I would go. 
Um, it's it's going to be intriguing to see what Silva does now because he's kind of stumbled across what appears to be mm. a winning formula. Um, I think those decides those lads deserve a chance to kind of go and run and see and see what they can do now. Yeah, uh, we'll have a chat about the team for Brighton in, in the final part of the show. Uh, just final two minutes before we go to a break, uh, Connor. Obviously, all the the focus is on Marco Silva pre-match. He was asked about his job. The cameras were trailing around before the game, a full time. Um, and one of the you know the narratives that have followed this game is that Everton's players played and stood up for Marco Silva in, in this game. Um, do you think it's ever really been a, a case of them not playing for him yet, or it's just? Things just haven't been quite working because, I, you know, I look at it and think the, the effort's always been there. You know, it's not really quite worked out. So I wouldn't say the players have, have threw the towel. No, I, 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 I don't think they have down tools. I don't think you can you can accuse them of down tools. I think if anything, he's probably been his own worst enemy in the way. He sometimes set them up, and sometimes the people he's played in certain positions, and and how stubborn he's been to certain formations and, and certain patterns of play. Certainly with the set pieces, I think as well. You know, the the, the zonal mark, yeah. and I think. You know, you look at like you go into like a team like Burnley, you you know rely heavily on set pieces. You've got some big lads. It's criminal when you come, you you you're defending zonally because they just pick it off. And you know, we we can see the chance against Burnley in the first half, which Pickford says was legs, and then they almost got a carbon copy of it in the second <laughs> half. So, I think I don't think the players have ever down tools. No, you can ever accuse them of that. I think the the effort has been there. I just think Silver himself has shot himself in the foot by potentially selection, potentially the formation. And potentially some of the, the stubbornness in terms of the way he wants to play football yeah. almost. But on Saturday, I think he kind of merited his rewards from the a the selection gamble of you know making changes because that could have backfired. You know we can we sit here now and pat him on the back and say oh, it was great, but we could have been sitting here after you know West Ham have won two 0 themselves and what well, people were, were doing now. I'm 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 slamming with Charles and he's back up front and we've got a 35 million pound strike on the bench while playing with Charles up top. Davis isn't good enough. You know we could have eased the walk up back in the team as, as Silver not watched anything over the last day team. We could have sat there and, and you know done the other way. So. He got his rewards for, for you know for, for for the gamble and like I said earlier, he's now got to make that type of performance the norm, not the exception. I've seen very very little evidence actually of players downing tools for silver, and in fact, I'd go the other way and say that whenever we've spoken to any of them or got close to their representatives, what we've actually heard are, are mainly positive things mm. about about silver, and I think that's being borne out in what we've seen on the pitch as well. Often, when Everton players have needed to deliver a response, and Silver's a, a game has been deemed to be crucial for Silver, and I'm thinking of the game on Saturday, but also the Manchester City game, which they obviously lost, but we all came away thinking that was a marked improvement. Whenever that's happened, I think the players have raised their game, and there's no coincidence. Obviously, there's an interview in Wednesday's Liverpool Echo where Phil Kirkbride speaks to Luca Dean. Luca Dean speaks in glowing terms of the manager. Richarlison, we know, is is very fond mm. on him. These are important players for Everton. If if they buy out, there is a problem. But I don't see any, I don't see much evidence of this. And again, I think it's it's more to do with kind of failings within the system, players underperforming, and then what happens then? The perpetual cycle where players then become low on confidence and they start to hide when they're on the ball. I think. I think we saw that against Burnley in particular, and it hasn't necessarily been about effort or endeavour, but for me, it's been more about failures within the system and players being low on confidence. If Silver can find a way of rectifying that, as he seemed to on Saturday, then he is onto a winner. Yeah, uh, we will talk a bit more about some of the standards individuals from Saturday's performance in part two. Then look ahead to Brighton. This is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Back for part two of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Uh, Paddy and Connor are still with me in the studio. Um, let's have a chat about some of the lads who were excellent at the weekend. Uh, we'll start off at the back. Uh, and unfortunately, he might not be playing at Brighton this weekend because he missed training um, on Wednesday. That's Yerry Mina. Um, Paddy, we were saying in the break there, obviously we knew we were going to be talking about Yerry Mina. And you said you think he's been Everton's standout player this season. Um, and I don't think there's going to be many people arguing with, with you there. No, I, I, I don't think so. And maybe it's a, a testament to how bad Everton have been so far this season that we are scrambling around four names for this particular kind of theoretical award. I just think that if you look at his performances, particularly in moments of hardship, like against Burnley, when as a whole, as a collective, Everton were really poor, thoroughly merited defeat. He was the only one that kind of stood up that day for me. 
uh, and he was he was very very good at the back. And I think there have been dips in his performances. We still need to manage him on the injury front, mm. but on the whole, most of his displays have been really positive. I thought he was excellent again at the weekend, um, and he seems to be the kind of one assuming that leadership role in the defence. How he hasn't scored a goal <laughs> yet is, is beyond me because he's there was that stuff the other day. He's had the most. Attempts on goal, certainly shots on target. Yeah. Seven of, of any. Was, I thought yeah. it was nine. I was of, it, yeah. of any Everton player so far this season. Uh, a couple of amazing saves uh, from Edison against Manchester City. A goal on Saturday that I've still got no idea why it was disallowed. Um, <laughs> nobody seems to have a, a plausible explanation other than maybe Andre Gomez blocked somebody off, but that I mean that just didn't happen. Um, the officials just had a bad day. It was, I mean, it was bad. I mean, the, the fact that it got even worse with that corner. The, the, the worst thing about that, so just on that goal, was that I watched Ref Watch or seen Ref Watch, you know, Sky Sports' little segment on a Monday with uh, Dan McCallagher. Is that just where he says all the referees' decisions are right? And he basically <laughs> said that was a brilliant officiating from Paul Tierney because uh, Gomez steps across the op and stops from making oh an attempt word. to get towards the ball. It was brilliant to be shaped. And when you can see that Burnley blocked off Morgan Schneiderlin two weeks ago yeah, yeah. For, to stop him getting out when the ball goes over his head, you know, it's 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 an absolute minefield, isn't it, when you when you look at stuff like that. We're going off on a tangent here, obviously, but <laughs> you, you mentioned the other decision, which was even more bizarre and baffling for me. Uh, in the second half, West Ham obviously very nearly score off a corner. Uh, Ogbonna, I think it was, brings a, a good stop from Jordan Pickford in the end after Hallowed won the ball at the back mm. post. But that corner, first of all, it's definitely a foul on Sadibi <laughs> and probably a yellow card foul on Sadibi. And second, it doesn't even come off him. <laughs> so, like, in two cases, he's, he's, he's entirely wrong. And you're biting your nails there. It's 1 0 for Everton at that mm. moment in time. And you're thinking, don't concede off a set piece. This is just going to set us back <laughs> so far. And everyone's going to feel really down and despondent. Because I think that's been the other thing about Everton so far this season. There has been a bit of fragility and a soft centre. And when confidence has been low and a goal's gone against them, I think it's kind of shifted them even further into the mire. So against Villa, we were the best better team until Villa's first goal. Then the performance has yeah. a pretty marked downward spiral. Same against Sheffield United, really. We dominated the open exchanges that game. Then they score what was a fortuitous goal and and then from there, Everton are a completely different side for the worse. So Everton have got a habit of doing that. I wonder what would have happened if Pickford hadn't pulled off that great save we definitely, definitely would have been asking questions to the referee and because it was, I mean, it, I, I still can't believe it and I can't believe the, the Eri Mina one either. But it, again, it, again it's, it's a positive, isn't it, that we're, we're talking about these moments now and the kind of footnotes mm. at the end of, of what was a really good performance. So much else to talk about. 2-0 win could have been more um, and, and Everton kind of thoroughly deserved what they got. So... That that's something in itself that that shows progress is being made. I don't remember an Everton side being as creative for a good while, um, and also secure at the back with with Yerry Mina. They, they they went with a more of a man marking approach. I think it suits somebody like him that he's mm-hmm. able to to kind of be aggressive and and win the ball. Um, and on the whole, just a, I think he's a, I think he's a good defender. I just think he's a good defender. I think he does everything pretty well. Not express pace. That's probably where you expose him down the channels but he wins most confrontations good in the air and is a threat at set pieces at the other end he's excellent on the ball as he's, well well I mean yeah. I've made this point before haven't I I've, I've spoken about Kurt Zuma and in some ways Zuma is a better partner for, for Keane in terms of being complimentary but I, I do believe Mina's better in his distribution than Zuma was he's a little bit less erratic you very rarely see him give the ball away and you also very rarely see him punt it upfield aimlessly as, as we yeah. uh, as we have done at times in, in previous seasons all these are, are kind of real plus points for somebody like Mina, who I think is kind of steadily now growing into that position on the field and, and may well become a leader. Like I said, let's just hope he gets a few more goals because, it, 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 for me, he's deserved it so far this season. I, I think for me, not just the goals, but it's get, it needs to stay fit. Obviously, mm. you know, last year, if you remember his debut against Chelsea away at the bridge, he, he was excellent. You know, you look back at the derby, he was excellent. But the real thing that let him down last year was he just could not get a continued run of games under his belt without picking up niggles and knocks. And you've got to hope that this isn't now the start of another sort of injury ramp ravaged yeah. run for him. You know, you've got to hope that it, it's just a slight knock that he'll get over and then get back to his best. Because, like Paddy said there, 
he's been our best player so far this season, which probably isn't saying much if we're being brutally honest, because I don't think he's been a nine out of ten or you know, even an eight out of ten. I think he's probably been about a seven. Um, but there's certainly things there that you can work on and you can build on with him. And you've, you've hope now that him and Keane can start to form a partnership and, and get some understanding because it's them two for the long run by the looks of it. Yeah, um, dead impressive at the weekend. The fourth, I love this little rampage forward as well, where he ended up in the box towards, <laughs> towards the end. But uh, no, snuffing out to play like Hallers, no mean feat. The form's easing, so so excellent. And, and the other player I wanted to speak about, I've uh, not spoke about him on any of our shows yet this week, is uh, Richarlison, who, who led the line. Paddy, I mean, you've obviously discussed this loads of times in the past. I don't think we've ever necessarily agreed on it. I've always said I like him as, as a centre forward, and he, he brings a lot lot to the game there. I think you're more of the opinion that he's on the left wing. But just before we delve into that just discuss his performance at the weekend I think I was sitting there thinking I just love watching this lad play football because he's not a traditional Brazilian international he's not the most flamboyant but I think what he's really good at and I think we've seen this throughout his Everton career is that he figures out problems on the pitch against the plays he's up against and this is I think the way in which Diop sort of got ragged towards the end of the game was making stupid fouls was indicative of the fact that Richardson by the end of the game had figured out how to get the best of him. And I think we've seen this against we saw it against Wes Morgan last season, against Leicester, where he hacks him down late on, gets sent off. We saw it against Willie Bolly, start of this season, he hacks him down, gets sent off. It happened against Lincoln, where they ended up just chopping him down at the end of the game as well. And I think what he was really good at at the weekend was... I don't necessarily think he won that battle early on. I think they opted pretty well against him in the end. But by the end of the game, he was well on top of him and knew how to get the best of him. I think he's just relentless. It'd be an absolute nightmare for a defender to play against because his work off the ball is so good. We've seen all his stats about winning the ball back in positions high up the field. And I think he just kind of gets on the niggles and kind of gets under the skin of defenders so that later on in the game, when they become a bit more tired, when the game is stretched, they're more inclined and more likely to kind of hack at him um, in desperation Mm. more than anything else Um, and he's kind of got all those attributes you look for in what I've repeatedly referred to as a modern forward and what I mean by that is you play him on the left because that's his best route to goal you don't play him on the left because you expect him to get paint on his boots get to the byline and dink across to the back post because he's not a creator he never has been a creator I don't think he's ever likely to be a creator his crossing, I think, for me, is probably the weakest part of his of his game overall, um, certainly from an attacking sense. So you, you play him in spaces, and I think this, this is where he's really, really key for Everton. He's kind of malleable, and depending on the opposition, you can pinpoint an area. Maybe against this opposition, you play him on the left because the full-back becomes really advanced, and he's going to have space in the channel to drive a goal. Mm. Some opposition, you might think, like against West Ham, are a little bit more static, We'll just have Richarlison buzzing off them and just kind of making runs down the sides as we saw with his chance in the first half to hit the post. And he can kind of do a little bit of all of those Mm. things. I think to kind of pigeonhole him as a centre-forward or as a left-winger kind of doesn't really get to the bottom of what he actually is, which is just a a modern player that kind of goes as and where he needs to. And I think that's what the others need to do as well. It was pleasing, like I said earlier, to see Walcott at some point being the one making those diagonal runs Mm. inside into the space that Richarlison vacated. Bernard coming off the left, Awobi kind of going where he wanted. It just felt much more fluid and much more in keeping with what we expected Marco Silva's Everton to become. Um, I don't I don't think he is a, a, an old-fashioned centre-forward. No. I don't think we could ever claim he is. He is, though, and I, I, I think this is worth bearing in mind. I think he is getting better at some of those elements. We are seeing progression from him, steady progression, to the point where a couple of years ago you wouldn't have really seen him dart beyond the defender and power a header into the corner. Now he's kind of starting to add that add that to his game and an increasing threat. I think he he went very, very close, didn't he? With with a header. Was that was it was it last weekend or the weekend before? Where uh, he kind of it, and it, it went just wide or just over. There's a couple against uh, Wofford early on in the season, wasn't there? And a couple and against, against Wofford as United, well. Yeah. He, he's definitely grown in that in that area of the pitch and in, in that aspect of play. Um I think Everton just very lucky to have him. He's Everton's best attacker. I think he's the one. If you pick him one player in the front three that started every week, it would be him. Um, there's still stuff to iron out. At times we forget that he's only a youngster still. Mm. Um, and it, we, we judge he's effectively the same age as Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, we, we see Dominic Calvert-Lewin as somebody that's not the finished article. We need to see him as well as somebody that's not the finished article too. Um, but he's progressing all the time. 
uh, very, very good again in a different role at the weekend. And he, I think you can ask him to play those those different roles. Um, back to my point earlier, he was good enough in that position. And I think he will cause Brighton problems in much the same way as he did West Ham. So that's why I would stick with him there. And I think you've kind of got to give those lads an opportunity to go again in much the same system. It looked good at the weekend. It really, really did. And he, he played a pivotal role in that along with several others. I mean, I, I'm of the... I was of the belief of, of Paddy in terms of getting on the left and staying on the left, but I think after watching him the weekend, it, it's hard to disagree that he doesn't deserve another a shot up front. I think I think he sees himself as a forward moving, moving as the years go. I think he yeah. sees that, himself. That's been my position. I wasn't saying he's a left winger. I, 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 the forward thing, I think, for yeah. me is prescient. I, I, but I think he, in the long run, he sees himself as an out no centre forward. I think that's where he'll want to play. You know, that's where you tend to get the headlines in the, as, a, as a footballer. And I think he will eventually end up as a centre forward. I think the the big thing about Richardson was he's come on leaps and bounds, and you can see he's clearly improving his game. This this is a youngster who's not not content with what he's done so yeah. far. He's not content with oh well, I'm in the Premier League, you know, I know I'm going to play. I've, I've got a manager who really likes me, so you know, I know I'm, I know I'm kind of a shoe in. This is a youngster who's fri- who's thriving to get better and better and better. And like Paddy said, you know, you look at the way he's hanging in, he hangs in the air. Now that's clearly something he's worked on yeah. the way he tacks the ball. And if he can start finishing and and, and you know, get him more chance on goal it'll come better and better and the future is bright with, with Charleston it really is and you've just got to give him time and realise he is only you know a young a young baby playing in the Premier League yeah. uh, do we all enjoy the video of him trying to order pizza in English that was doing the rounds <laughs> yeah. the week? I find that kind of stuff really endearing I mean yeah. we hear so much about how some players take longer to adapt to English culture and don't speak English in the way that the manager would like we, we had Mina and Richarlison singled out earlier this season um, and I think you could probably say much the same about Bernard as well. Um, but just to see the attempt there, I think that goes a long way. Hmm. It's it's really positive. It wasn't put out by Everton, but it's really positive PR for somebody <laughs> like that in, yeah. in light of what's, what's happened before. Hmm. Um, and yeah, and it, just, it, it brought a smile to my face. But there have been, I have to say, there have been lots of things in, in, in the last kind of four or five days that have done that. Hmm. I think that the pictures put out from the Disability Awards of, yep. of Marco Silva hugging. Um, some of the kids that were there, I think Yerry Mina as well was there. The, the stuff with Tom Davis in the in the dressing room, um, and some of the other clips that that have been put out too. It, it it's been really nice to see a bit of a feel good factor mm. back at Everton. Uh, we've always been able to praise what they've done off the pitch. They're, they're exemplary as we know there, um, but a lot of this hangs on how they do on the pitch. Um, so to have the opportunity to watch match of the day for once <laughs> and not have to neglect it completely and pretend that you hate football for a while um, was really quite nice and even it's Wednesday today as we're recording I'm still still looking back at those moments still finding new things to go back on and just uh, if anybody hasn't seen it yet watch the review from uh, the, the view sorry effectively from the park end yeah. of Gilfie Sigurdsson's goal where you just get to watch all the different reactions of the players. Obviously, Sigurdsson goes off and knee slides. Moise Kane joins him. But then you've got uh, Tom Davis sinks to his knees and then gets up and hugs Michael Keane. And it's just like that kind of euphoria. You can see there, Davis is an Evertonian. Um, and that was the kind of the response you'd expect from 40,000 other Evertonians as well there <laughs> as well. It's kind of what I'd have done probably if I was on the pitch too. And that's when I think you start to forge more of a bond. Yeah. With the players as, as you see them on the pitch when you when you see responses like that, yeah, uh, that's on our Twitter feed. If anyone's not seen it yet, it's a fantastic camera angle. Um, Paddy's right; there's a positive mood around Goodison Park at the moment. After the break, we'll have a chat about whether it'll continue after the game against Brighton at the Amex Stadium on Saturday. We'll be right back on Radio City Talk. We will be back with your podcast again very shortly. But first, we've got a message about a new app that is changing the culture of gambling by making it social. Who Knows Wins is not a bookmaker's, they are the home of social betting. Once you are set up on their app, you can bet against friends and colleagues on a simple-to-use platform on all different types of sports. It's a great way to rake in the cash from your friends and have a bit of light-hearted chat and stick along the way in the designated conversation section. There are no odds, no bookmakers. This is all about the prediction on the sport and events you pick. The more you know, the more you win. You just set up a league, set an entry fee, choose your matches, invite all your mates in, and you all predict the outcomes of those games or the events. And at the end of it, the person with the most correct predictions wins the pot of money. 
You can also join preset public leagues with larger pots of money competing against players from across the UK. Here at the Blue Room, we've already set up our league for the weekend matches that, of course, include Everton going to Turf Moor. We've got Brighton vs Tottenham, Liverpool against Leicester and all the top flight games from Saturday. Download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. The link to our specific league will be on Twitter and on the website for this show. Just a reminder, it's Who Knows Wins. Download the app on the Apple App or Google Play. And for more information, visit their website at www.whoknowswins.com. Final part of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Connor and Paddy are still with me in the studio. Now all four to ten to Brighton. Put that positive display against West Ham behind us. Everton are back away from home. And things have got to change on the road, haven't they, Connor? Um, just you know, look at, looking at the game in general, we all wax lyrical about the lads' performance on, on Saturday, how well the front four played, how well the midfield played. How well the defence played. Um, do you think he'll make any changes? He shouldn't do. He shouldn't do. I don't. I don't think there's any reason why he should change it. Um, obviously, the fitness of Yerry Mina will probably yeah. determine a change uh, potentially. He didn't train on Wednesday ahead of the game, which doesn't bode particularly well. Doesn't, but you never know, do you? Sometimes you know you've, you've seen players do one session and make a miraculous recovery. I mean, you, you think back to last year, the the Wolves game, where Cudderson, when you know Leighton Baines was. I think it was Dave Prentice from the Echo seeing Leighton Baines on, on the Friday in Formby, limping <laughs> and, and kind of in pain. And yet, you know, 24 hours later, he was there. On, uh, don't get me wrong, you could see he was injured that day. He was yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that happened to me. I see with Leighton Baines. But he was in the squad ready to play. Yeah. So you, you can never know and you can never really make a judgment call on whether someone is fit or not because you, we've seen time and time again where you think, oh, you know, that, you know, that could be it now for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden they're back. So... You don't know, but I think going back to the original point, I don't think there's any reason to make a change. I think the thing, the, the beauty of the Brighton game is, is that they will come out and have a go. I mean, I watched Brighton when they played Spurs two weeks ago before the international break, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and they were absolutely superb. I know Spurs were, were bad, and um, they were coming into the game for the back of the thrashing by Bayern Munich, but they were excellent. Brighton, they played on the front foot, they just get forwards, you know, it was fast. And from what, you know, from what I've seen, there's a lot of Brighton fans saying they've actually deserved a lot more this year than what they've got. Yeah. Um, and that though Grain Pot has really come in and re energised the place and, and gave them a new lease of life almost from, from the, the Chris Hutton day. So it will be an open game. And I think that team we played the weekend would suit an open game with the, with the pace and the intensity we played that. So I don't think there's any reason to make changes. I know there's going to be a big call because Seamus Coleman is back available over Sadibe. Yeah. But I think we saw enough from Sadibe on Saturday to, to certainly think that he wants another start and another chance. Coleman. Certainly hasn't been setting the world on fire, and there's been, you know, a long debate now for about eighteen months of whether Seamus Coleman is coming to the end of his, you know, his time as Everton's number number one right back. I think it almost feels like a, a Leighton Baines Luke Dean moment last Saturday. If you remember where you know Leighton Baines, I think was just missed out on a game, and Dean was handed his first start. He was after Bournemouth away, wasn't after Bournemouth away, yeah. away, yeah, yeah, and he, and he was handed his first start, and we've not looked back since. Really, with Luke Dean, he's gone on from strength to strength. It almost felt the same way on Saturday in the sense that Coleman missed out due to suspension. Sidibe was handed this chance. But yeah, he kind of took it with both hands and, and gave Everton a new lease of life. So for me, I, I would stick with Sidibe over Coleman. I'd stick with the same 11 if we could for as, long, you know, for as much as we can. I think this centre-back will be interesting if Mary Mina doesn't make it what Marco Silver opts to do. Whether he plays Mason Holgate alongside Michael Keane whether he opts to put maybe Morgan Schneider if he returns back to fitness in his centre-back. You, you don't know because... Gibbs, Lewis Gibson? Lewis Gibson. There's been a lot of talk about him. It was a wild yeah. card, but it will be interesting what he does. The, 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 obviously, the, the the logical answer is to put Mason Holgate there, but we don't really see the logical answer in football, do you? <laughs> you know, you look at Man City on Saturday, two... Uh, eight midfielders eight, he played, eight, eight midfielders you know <laughs> at the back and so you don't always know what people are thinking of football Schneidlin and Delph I think Delph was I think Silver said he could play centre-back didn't yeah he, he did when, yeah, because when he came in but, yeah. but I think it was when he it was open sort of Remit wasn't it? Was he can play multiple positions? I don't think so. Actually, name check centre back was one of them. Where I think people meant left back, not not, <laughs> not centre back. So, yeah. but no, I think I don't think there's any need for any changes this weekend. Same, just go with the same approach and playing the same manager as we did on Saturday. And I think we'll, we will easily get something out the game. Is is there a you know being devil's advocate a bit here, Paddy? Is there a a mindset to say that you know we have been poor away from home, we've been leaking goals away from home, not been 
good enough in midfield when we've played the four-two-three-one setup. Is there potentially an argument to say take one of that front three out, you know, the three behind Richarlison, put Fabian Delphin and stiffen up that midfield a little bit and just try and keep it a bit more solid, keep it, a, you know, because I think. A draws or you know sounds a bit negative, but a draws all right, isn't it? Going into that Watford game and, and the Tottenham game at home the next week. Yeah, and, and Fabian Delft's obviously, obviously somebody that would come in and provide a, a little bit more metal, a little bit more experience as well. Um, and those are commodities away from home that you obviously do need to turn to at times. My response to that would be firstly that we saw a midfield, a reshaped midfield that did well against decent opposition. So they should be allowed to carry that on and see if they can drum up momentum. We've not seen a midfield like that for a while, so let's stick with it and see what it can bring. Fabian Delph will obviously get chances. We've got a really important game on the Tuesday mm. in, the, in the Carabao, <laughs> which I'd argue is as important, probably more important than what happens against Brighton away. I'd say it's the biggest game of our season so far. It is. Mm. I, I, I think I think so. I think so. I think Carabao Cup, if he were to get far in it and win it, I think that would, Everton fans would then allow silver a multitude of sins in the well, in yeah, the Premier League. So, so I think you look back at Roberto Martinez's tenure, yeah. he survived on cup competitions the last yeah. sort of 18 months. It wasn't necessarily on league form because league form was actually quite poor. It was the runs to semi-finals of the of the, Carib- the League Cup at, at the time. The runs to semi-finals of the FA Cup the year before that when we got to I think the last 32 of the UEFA Cup and we were beaten by Kiev. So 16, wasn't it? 16 was so, so many teams in it the last 158 <laughs> <laughs> with the teams dropping in from the Champions League oh, yeah. but yeah. I think just to echo Paddy's points it, it can buy your time it can really buy your time because people and this is the Carabao Cup and it seems strange because obviously most football clubs and fans have an opinion of the Carabao Cup or it's just the Carabao Cup but for Everton fans, you know, it's 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 totally different because it's a massive competition. You know, it's something that we could win. I think you look at the draw, the fact that Liverpool and Arsenal play each other, City and United, it's United and yeah. Chelsea play each other. City go to is it? Not entirely sure who City. City got Southampton, is it? Yeah. And Leicester play Burton Albion away. I know Aston Villa play Wolves. So there's you know there's there's yeah there's some big clubs playing each other who are going to you know. Knocked themselves out, so it's a massive opportunity. And there's also ties like Oxford, Sunderland, Crawley, Colchester. Yeah. So you know th- those the, some the, of those quarterfinals, you know, quarterfinal draw against potentially, you know, Colchester at home. Yeah. You can't ask for much more than that, can you? Yeah. you? Know, so I think it's a massive game, and I think you know, going back to what, what Paddy said there, it will will buy will buy more time. Uh, just to, to finish off, then I think you know we spoke about the midfield there, Paddy, and how. No, I could, I could sort of see that going either way. To be honest, I could, you yeah. know, I wouldn't be too fussed either way. If he changed it and stiffened it up a little bit, or you know, if he went with the same side, you don't necessarily need to. And I know no. Brighton have been all right, yeah. this season, but I don't think you necessarily need that that cover in front of the defence. Davis and Gomez, given what we've seen from them mm. of late, should be enough between them yeah. to do that. And Brighton do play through the thirds a little bit more now, but let's not forget there's still an awful lot of threat from wide. And I think as much as more of this is probably about standing up to them, making sure we get set pieces right and making sure that we impose our own game on them. We should be going there and imposing our own game on them, making sure that Davis and Gomez supply that quick ball to Awobi and in turn the, the, the wide players. I think if we I think if we do that and those guys get on the ball and there's, there's a chance to win this. It's not just about drawing, there's a, there's a chance to win this. Brighton aren't, we should never look at Brighton away. Yeah. As, as a side, we should be going to to settle for a point. But I do take what you're saying. I do take what you're saying about Fabian Delphi. He, he will come invaluable in other games away from home and in other games at home against top sides, in, in quotation marks. With, with all that in mind, then, is is the bigger decision the right-back situation where Seamus Coleman comes back from suspension, is the club captain, and Sidibe started one Premier League game, albeit, you know, we've all mentioned that we thought he was excellent at the weekend. I mean... If it feels to me as though that is that's going to be the key one for Marco Silva, and I think if he brings Seamus Coleman back in, people are going to be looking at that and going, "He's not learnt anything." Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're entirely right. Um, that's maybe going to be the bellwether um, ahead of the weekend. And again, we've we've all said now, Jabril Sadibe added something new, looked very good, looked more calm and secure on the ball. Seamus Coleman was going through a bit of a malaise. He didn't just get sent off for everything. He then backed yeah. it up by getting sent off for Ireland. Um, most of what I read about that performance wasn't particularly favourable. Um, the performance for Ireland, that is. Um, and 
you've now got to give with a player out of form, even if he is the club captain. I think you've got to give Sadibi a chance to kind of go and stake his claim. Did it well last weekend. Again, he should be afforded the opportunity to do so here. Also interesting to see what he does up front. He obviously likes Calvert-Lewin um, as a kind of a focal point on the road. Will he go with that kind of... Will he go down that route again? I'm not so sure. If you look at it tactically, like I said earlier, I think Richarlison's movement could trouble the two Brighton centre-halves who can be a little bit more static again. Um, so there are, there are very few reasons here to change what we saw at Goodison against West Ham um, and lots of reasons to keep faith with those that he um, that he picked. I think any more than a couple of changes, even a couple of changes might raise eyebrows. Um, so I think he, he kind of almost makes a rod for his own back after changing a winning team. Mm. If it, if it comes un, unstuck, then we're almost not back to square one, but something approaching that. Let's say we're back to square two. <laughs> That's just, even a thing. Just, you don't think, you don't change with a football team. No. Um, that performance was was outstanding, and I don't see why you would change unless you had, really really had to. And I think if he's a changer, people would be asking, and we didn't, and we would be beaten. People would be asking serious question marks. Yeah, um, predictions. Two one. We'll concede off a set piece. We'll win two one. Yeah, but we'll concede off a okay. set piece. I've been so negative recently. I thought we'd get beat against West Ham. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Okay, there we go. Um, cheers to the lads for, for coming in. Uh, nice to talk about a win for once. Um, if you want to hear more from us, you're going to build up to that game, including the weekend preview, kick about mailbag, head over to the Blue Room Extra on patreon.com slash Blue Room Extra. That's been your weekly show on Radio City Talk. We'll speak to you again very soon. The General Insurance presents Shower Ballads by Shaq. And I'm gonna keep my Turns out, everyone does sound better in the shower. And it turns out, The General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. I just wanna keep for a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with the General. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc. Insurance Agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.